0: to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast, your local business community resource. My name is Denise Heidel. Not only do I serve as your podcast host, but I'm also the executive director of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. On behalf of the chamber, thank you for listening and for your support of the chamber of business community. Hello everybody, this is Denise Heidel and I'm your host for the Louisville clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast and I am here with my guest Eric Carmenson with Piedmont Federal Savings Bank who is trying to make me laugh before we get started and also with Fuller Parham with Triad Business Bank. Thank you guys for joining me this morning.
1: Thank you for having us. So, Thanks for having us, yeah.
0: Yeah, so this month is Financial Wellness Month in January and I looked it up like 30% of people who make New Year's resolutions make resolutions around their finances. So uh, I invited both of you to come and speak because I know you both are industry experts. So before we get started, um, I always have a bad habit of assuming everybody knows everybody that I do. So um, let's just go ahead and do some introductions. Fuller, you want to start?
1: Sure. Um, my name's Fuller Parham, as Denise said, and I'm a senior commercial banker with Triad Business Bank. Um, we're a Fairly new entity here in the triad, but uh, I primarily work with local business owners and real estate professionals and helping them with their financing needs. Um, So that I'll kick it over to Eric.
2: Yeah, thanks Fuller. And I'm Eric Hermanson, Piedmont Federal Savings Bank. Piedmont Federal is kind of the opposite of Triad Business Bank, been around forever, it seems like. Uh, pretty decent little staple within the community out there. And so my official title is Director of Business Partner Relations. But what a lot of that does is work with local companies, people, individuals, etc., on financial wellness for their employees and getting out and do that. So this topic falls right into my wheelhouse. Thanks, Denise.
0: Excellent. We're going to take a quick pause from today's podcast to recognize one of our sponsors, Marzano Capital Group.
1: Hi, this is Mike McGilvery, financial advisor and partner at Marzano Capital Group in Clemens. We are privileged to serve this great community, and we strive to help our clients by building wealth management plans tailored to their specific goals. Consistent client communication is the cornerstone of our process, and we hope to add value to your financial planning needs.
0: Once again, thank you to Marzano Capital Group for their support of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. And now, let's get back to the podcast. So, um, like I said, Financial Wellness Month is in January. So let's first of all define what is financial wellness. What does that mean?
2: So I'll kick this one off then. I really think financial wellness, when you think of it from the whole big picture view, is kind of having control over your daily and monthly finances, as well as just being able to be prepared for any type of financial emergency. I think that's kind of the way that we go about it and look at it in a super short, simple nutshell is, do you have control over those daily and monthly finances? Do you have some type of emergency plan in place? Do you have a steady savings habit? doesn't necessarily have to be $100,000 a month or anything crazy, but do you actually have a steady savings habit in place? Things like that. So that's kind of the way we'll look at financial
0: wellness. So are you got anything to add to that?
1: Not a whole lot to add to that. Uh, Eric covered it pretty well. I mean, I think it's important that awareness is raised to this. I think everybody gets really busy with their day-to-day life. And I think, you know, Denise made the point of New Year's resolutions and they often get started and then quickly forgotten. But uh, I think January, you know, start of the year is a good time to look at, you know, your financial position and figure out where you may need to make some improvements and adjust budgets, um, figure out ways to save and eliminate, um, you know, some unnecessary expenses to put yourself in a better position moving forward.
0: Great. So, you know, we did, we did talk about the the fact that we're going to be talking about the consumer versus the business side of things. So one of the questions that I wanted to talk to y'all about is what is the difference do you feel between personal financial wellness versus business financial wellness? Because I know, uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, those waters get kind of muddy.
1: Yeah, they really can. I mean, that's a good point. A lot of entrepreneurs um, and business owners—they uh, they may be, you know, a partner, or they may be an individual owner of their business. And oftentimes, um, you know, the lines get blurred a little bit between what is truly personal and what is business. But I'll, I'll kind of pick up um, where Eric left off and and speaking about you know, the importance of financial wellness on the business side of things, there's a lot of overlap there and a lot of similar fundamentals. Um, it's, it's very important for business owners to set goals for themselves, just like individuals, consumers, and families need to set goals for themselves. Um, it's very important to, you know, kind of pre-plan out, set reasonable budgets that are realistic um, for whether it be lifestyle on the consumer side, or on the business side um, to really put the wheels in motion to, for that business to be both profitable and sustainable. And then, you know, beyond that, um, I, I really like to talk to business owners about making informed decisions when looking at, you know, strategic changes, you know, adding products, uh, hiring additional employees. And so it, it's really important that they, you know, kind of look inward and evaluate their business on a whole number of levels to understand the impact on profitability, any impacts on, you know, their balance sheet or the working capital or savings that they've got to operate with. Um, And then, you know, really study and try to understand, does it provide both short-term and long-term benefits to their business organization? And is it something that is going to, you know, be sustainable uh, well into the future?
2: Yeah, and, and Fuller had a Fuller had a good point in there of a lot of time business owners go ahead and they plan for their financially for the year. They kind of go ahead and plan it out. They know what they're going to do. They've set their goals for the year. Everything's in place, but maybe they don't do that on the personal side, or maybe they think about it but don't write it down. But they'll put a plan in place for their business, but they don't always put it in place for them personally. And I think that's number one, is you really have to go in and say, what do I hope to achieve this year financially out of my personal life and my personal goals for the year? Do I want to pay down the mortgage? Do I want to pay off debt? Do I want to save for college? Do I want to get out of credit card debt? Do I want to go on three vacations but not accumulate credit card debt to go on vacations? What do I want to do for the year? But then also, how do I stay on track? Do I write things down on a on a notebook? Do I use Excel to help guide me through it? Do I do something so that I can easily track what I'm doing towards my goals for the year? And don't go out there and look at it quarterly or anything like that. I'm a big advocate for looking at it monthly. But at the end of the year, if you get paid monthly, it's kind of easy to do. If you get paid weekly, it's a little bit easy to do as well. If you get paid bi-weekly, that's a little bit harder. But put some type of plan in place and actually track your progress to your goals on a regular, consistent basis.
1: And Denise, I'll just you know tag on to Eric's point real quick. You know, I think the the, the personal stage has tremendous impacts um, on the business side of things too. For for a lot of business owners, I, I will you know encounter businesses that are very strong businesses. They're they're growing. They've got really strong profit margins. They're generating you know ample cash flow. Um, but sometimes. The business owner, to Eric's point, doesn't spend that same attention on their personal lifestyle and they may have ongoing expenses um, associated with that lifestyle that really put them in a position where they have to start pulling cash out of the business to supplement them on the personal side. And over time, that can really create issues on both sides of the equation for, you know, these entrepreneurs and, and, and small business owners.
0: Great, great feedback, you guys so um i love I love your points about the the constant check in because you know that's if you're not financially minded or you know if you're like me, math is not necessarily my strong suit, and I don't really like dealing with it. It's easy to back burner that project and um hands up over here, I'm guilty, so Um, but, you know, especially as we, as we go into 2023, you know, we've been having a rough few financial years, um, you know, as everybody knows, I, uh, I saw a a joke the other day that right now, um, a chicken has, uh, replaced Elon Musk as the, uh, richest person in the world, um, because of the cost of eggs. (laughs) So (laughs) of course it's a joke, right? You know, but, um, you know, because we are, Facing you know tough economic times, we're going to be having, of course, a couple of economic forums to discuss that this year. Um, the first one is going to be coming up on March the 30th, and then we'll have a second economic forum on September the 28th. But what kind of tips do you guys have before the um, for the personal side and the business side? How to plan for financial wellness during difficult financial times.
1: Yeah. Good point. Um, Yeah. From the, from the business side of things, I think, you know, to your point, Denise, we've been living through some challenging times with inflation. Um, You know, that's not isolated just to consumers going to the grocery store or, you know, facing rising bills. Um, The same goes for businesses and they're trying to navigate you know, how do we absorb these increased costs that we may have, um, whether it be for, you know, payroll and, you know, kind of some of the demands that are being placed on them by, you know, labor shortage or whether it be the increases in input costs for any goods that they may manufacture or sell. So with that being said, um, you know, it's, it's really important in all times to kind of prepare yourself. And I think Eric and I have alluded to that. And then, you know, for businesses, a lot of times, you know, it's a, it's a good reminder kind of looking back there are externalities that will impact their business that they have no control on over. And so, you know, it, it's just, I think the things that you do in good times should mirror the things that you do in bad times. And, it, and it's just making good informed financial decisions and always making sure to have, you know, excess reserves and contingency plans for when, you know, shocks hit the systems or, you know, if you've got larger customers that end up, you know, going in different directions or the larger economic backdrop shifts and consumer demand or business demand changes, you know, you just, you need to be in a position where you haven't, you know, over leveraged yourself, taken on too much debt. You haven't, you know, taken on too much, um, you know, payroll costs in terms of hiring up for anticipated uh, business growth. Just making really good decisions and look at them from the standpoint of, you know, how will this be impacted if the economy is growing? How will this be impacted if the economy is contracting? And will I be well positioned as a business owner to respond well in both
2: situations? Yeah, have been on the personal side. I'll go back to that notebook or that spreadsheet actually have a list, and this is going to sound crazy in 2023. I I know it coming out. This is going to be crazy. Look at your bank statement, right? So many people, whether that's just online through the app and go through everything that came through for the month, if you can go and see all the subscription services that you have subscribed to, that maybe you don't even know are coming out anymore. They're just on auto draft, and they keep coming out every single month or maybe you've gone in and you've upgraded to that premium Netflix account where you can have four different people watching at the same time. Maybe you don't need to have that premium Netflix account. Maybe you can consolidate some bills. You got a doctor bill, you got a small vehicle loan, you got a credit card, you got another little ancillary loan sitting out there. Do you have the option to consolidate that into one payment and pay it off? Even on the same timeframe, that's fine, but can you go ahead and consolidate some of that debt into one simple thing so you don't feel inundated with a bunch of bills always hitting you at different times. Some people may want to add some bills to auto pay. Some people might want to take them off. Everybody's a little bit different on that. You got to figure out what's going to work best for you. If you want your mortgage, let's say you pay extra on your mortgage every single month and you hit a little hard times, might not be the best thing to do. You might want to back that down a little bit you're paying extra on the credit card bill or something, you might need to back that down for the hard times when when they come in. If you've been saving for retirement and you're putting away 10% of the income, but now you need to back it down to five because you need that extra little 5% every single month, don't stop saving. That's not what we're after, right? We're after consistent behavioral pattern of saving. But if you need to back it down on a temporary basis, you might need to look at that. But really, when all is said and done, go back and check those bank statements, check your bank activity, check your credit card activity, things that just automatically get pinged because so many times there's things on there that you're not even paying any attention to. Do you you need Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus? Do you need all those subscription services out there? Probably if you look at the, the cost benefit analysis on that, Really, realistically, you're watching one or two of those mediums, not all of them. So could you cut some of those out as well? Could you look at some of the free options or even more discounted options, Sling TV or something like that, for example? Are those options you can do when times get a little bit tough? And exactly to Fuller's point earlier, the behaviors you have in the good times, you can mirror them in the bad times. You just have to be a little bit more focused on them.
0: Yeah, Go ahead, Puller. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was
1: just going to follow up that, that same question. Um, I, I think one other step that you can take, and this is both on the personal and business side, but especially on the business side, is building out a team of advisors Um, that, that are well-informed and can add different perspectives and and can really provide some good counseling and advice for you, um, specifically on the business side. It's really important for business owners to have a really good um relationship with a CPA or an accounting professional, um, not only to help them, you know, prepare tax returns and do some bookkeeping and other accounting things, but really working with somebody that knows their business, understands it, and can give them really good feedback on when to make the right decisions, when to make changes to the business, and when to kind of hold steady and hold back, Um, you know, Obviously, being in the industry I'm in, I'll put in a plug for having a good relationship with a banker or a few different banks, um, but, but truly having bankers that understand your business and can advocate on your behalf if you need to, to go out and raise additional capital. Um, but they can also work with you to share ideas with you on you know how to continue to grow your business or how to protect your assets or your business and down cycles.
2: You know, Fuller, it's funny. You talked about like having that mentor, like that financial mentor that you can go and talk to. I was doing a lunch and learn yesterday and there's a, I call him a young gentleman in the back, maybe mid to upper 20s, somewhere in that ballpark. And whenever I'm doing a lunch and learn, the, the last question, however I leave this thing is, if you could pass along one piece of financial advice to your younger self, what would it be? And that's the last question. That's how we end it. And everybody just kind of spitballs that question back and forth in the room. And this young man spoke up and he was like, find a mentor, find somebody that's made the <laughs> mistakes so that you don't have to and actually listen to them. He said, I'm lucky that I'll reach out and I'll ask my dad and my dad will give me some guidance on that. And that, so then we asked the question, do you actually listen to your dad? Right? And he's like, yeah, actually I I do. He's helped me a lot along the way in there. So it's neat yeah. That's, it that's
1: it, it seems obvious. And I think most people intend to do that, um, especially on the business side, but you know, things get in the way, everybody gets busy and you know, time is limited, but, you know, expanding on that thought beyond just, you know, accounting professional, a banker, um, it's important to have a good lawyer that understands your business as well, um, can speak to ramifications of, of certain business decisions you make, um, having a good insurance professional that can help you manage risk and protect your assets and protect your business. And, you know, that, that, that team, um, you know, as your business grows, should grow as well. And the number of advisors you've got there, it's important to have a really good financial advisor too that can help you plan for the future and, you know, help you grow your investments and your savings and your wealth. So, you know, um, th- there's others that I'm forgetting, but, you know, those are the core and the important step is just, you know, maintaining really good relationships with those folks so that, you know, they understand your business and can provide you valuable feedback for both good and bad.
0: Great points, y'all. So let's, um, you know, I, I love, I love the advice you guys are giving. I'm sitting here mentally taking notes because, you know, I'm, I I mean, I want to put a lot of this stuff into practice too, not only, um, you know, for my business, but also for myself, but the, um, The financial, the financial difficulties that we're having right now, we all still have goals, you know, the the financial troubles aside and the economy being what it is, all of that aside, we still all have goals. So, um, you know, Eric, you and I've talked about this a million times, you know, I'm a student of Dave Ramsey, I love me some Dave. (laughs) So, um, but what about how to be financially prepared to meet goals? I know how you know Dave teaches it, but what about you guys from a, from a banking perspective?
2: It's a long-term game. Unfortunately, in 2023, everybody sees all these Instagram reels and TikTok videos and thinks that they can just go and have a $400,000 car and a $1.2 million house. And it's a 24-year-old that has it and the money grows on trees. All right. Well, that's not the way it works in reality. <laughs> so it's a long-term game and keep that long-term picture in mind. Mm-hmm. If you're 27, 28, you've been saving for retirement for the last four years, ever since you got your, your job and you have $10,000 saved in retirement, you'll look at that and you'll say, I don't have anything and look at what all these other people have. Well, that's not true. You do, and you do have a behavior towards savings. You do have the start, right? I think everybody's probably seen that picture of them. It's got two ladders side by side. One of them has the rung of the ladder every little bit, and one has the rung of the ladder every big bit. Well, the guy that's taken off the small chunks is a lot further up the ladder than the guy who's taken off those big chunks because if you just take it one step at a time and keep with the program and keep consistent behaviors, you're going to get there, but ultimately you got to understand it's a big picture, super long-term because we think long-term is in 10 years. And the reality is we enter the workforce at 22 and 10 years, you're only 32 years old. So it's a 40 year journey that you're, that you're jogging down.
0: Well, I want to, I want, it's really interesting you bring this up because you're hundred percent right. We get, we get so caught up in the whole social media, comparison game with these unrealistic expectations and in the month of february actually after this episode the next five weeks are entirely devoted to social media Hmm. so that's all we're going to be talking about now we're talking about social media from best practices and different different aspects but you know the whole social media comparison thing but it's not just social media okay so when you started talking it reminded me of this joke and I, i i pulled it up i just think it's hilarious so you know we see those um those house hunters tv shows or you know those diy or or whatever those um those reality shows are and um i just this this absolutely cracks me up you know like a house hunters episode the husband says i'm a dorito artist the wife says and i restore used napkins part time and our budget is 1.2 million you know, just completely off the wall. I mean, nothing, there's nothing reality about that. And so, you know, playing that comparison game can really get you in some financial danger.
1: Well, and Denise, you know, that, I mean, that's, it's so true, not just on TV, but even in real life, image is not necessarily reality. Um, As bankers, We, you know, get to see the look behind the curtain and understand what somebody's financial position actually looks like. And oftentimes you'll find the folks that are driving the flashiest, fanciest cars, wearing the nicest clothing and, you know, living in sometimes the nicest and biggest houses when you start, you know getting a look behind the curtain, it's often these folks that have not positioned themselves for financial wellness. And when down cycles occur or any externality, something they can't control hits them financially. They're in a really tough position because they've leveraged themselves up and they don't have, you know, many options of a way out. And they've got a big mortgage payment, big car payments, big lifestyle payments that, you know, they can't just discretionarily, you know, decide to cut back on. Um, and so, you know, I tell people all the time that you 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 really just need to focus on what you're doing and focus on what your goals are and just try to block out, you know, the madness of social media and, you know, what everybody else is doing. Um,
0: well, I mean, and that's really good advice, too, because you're right. And I remember... When my ex-husband and I were buying our first house together, I mean, what we were approved for and what um, we ended up buying were two different things because, um, you know, we were actually getting ready to put a contract on a house and we could afford it, you know, but, you know, we had a really long talk that night and it's it's it was a conversation, a conversation that's lasted with me every time I've um, bought a house since then, you know, do I want the house to own me or do I want to own the house? and that drives you know what kind of decision i make no matter what uh, on the paper it says that i can do and so you know i i personally have opted to go smaller just because it it's um i don't i don't want to to be caught in that trap of having Uh, the inability to ever do anything. Now I'm a homebody by nature. So it's, you know, just because I don't take trips doesn't mean anything. It just means I just prefer to be at home. So (laughs) it's just, um, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry.
2: You know, we used to, whenever I'd have people, excuse me, let's say that 30 year old who comes in, who's getting ready to upsize their house, because now they have a couple of children that have come in there, They're looking at all sorts of different things and and they're like, what can I afford? What can we do here? And I always try to have, I got a go-to saying that it doesn't matter what you can afford. It's what you're willing to pay. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to afford a half a million dollar house, but are you willing to pay half a million dollars for a home at 30 years old with two kids in daycare? Right. Are you willing to sacrifice your savings? Are you willing to sacrifice home repairs on that? Cause you can afford the home, but you may not be able to afford the new roof when it comes on. So are you willing to sacrifice what you can afford with what you're willing to pay? And then right. that kind of sometimes that'll, I don't know if grounding is the right word, but it, they'll look at each other and they'll be like, I'll say, do you guys need a moment? Let me go ahead and, and step out and y'all talk for a little bit and we'll come back in a minute. Come get me when you're done.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And a lot of times, you know, what you can get approved for and what you can qualify for is not necessarily equivalent to what you can truly afford. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of standardization in the mortgage lending space, and I'm getting a little bit out of my area of expertise here. But, you know, that being said, you know, oftentimes people are qualified for mortgages that are well outside you know, the means of what they can truly afford if they're looking at their day-to-day expenses and looking at, you know, goals for the future. Um, And back to your point, I mean, it's such a good adage and analogy, but um, Denise talking about, do you want to own your home or do you want your own, your home to own you? I mean, I think a lot of people find themselves just because they qualify and they really like this nice new pretty house. They put themselves in situations where the house owns them and it owns them in a good financial time. And then if they start to teeter into a bad financial time, um, you know, they get in trouble really fast.
0: Um, Well, and I mean, you know, I think this just segues beautifully into, you know, the last point that I really wanted to talk to you guys about is how our attitude towards money impacts our overall financial health. Um, I know you both have opinions, so...
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> I, I think attitude is huge here. Um, we've been talking a lot about folks making the mistake of keeping up with the Joneses. And so, you know, back to the discussion about, you know, whether or not you can afford it and whether or not you should truly do it. On the on the business side of things, I think business owners sometimes can get caught up in their own success. Um, and, you know, one of there's, – there's two real – Fundamental issues that kill businesses. Um, One is mismanagement and just ineffectiveness, um, which is obvious. The other one is a little less obvious to most people, but it's growth. And extreme growth for a business that's not prepared for it kills a business overnight. Um, Growth demands cash and eats cash. And oftentimes businesses have not positioned their balance sheet to where they have the working capital and the cash support to go chase additional customers, roll out an additional product line, things that often look good because they may grow your revenue and potentially grow your net income um, on a projected income statement, but they have real implications to your balance sheet and, you know, your, your cash position and, and whether or not you can really, you know, push forward with that. So that goes back to my point of, You know, your attitude needs to always somewhat be, you know, kind of focused around planning, budgeting, making informed decisions and just kind of living within the means of the situation that
2: you're in. And I think that even goes back to your earlier point of surrounding yourself with with the mentor part of it, because if you're a business and you're growing that fast you need a good commercial banker will see that growth because they're consistently looking at your financials and they hopefully will at least have had the conversation, right. To get that business owner thinking about it. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, very good point. I mean, that's the the whole attitude thing. And and sometimes success can kind of breed, breed some, some challenging perceptions and attitudes. And that's where having a team of advisors to your point, can help ground a person, uh, add additional perspective and help them see things that they may not see if they're wildly successful at the moment and at risk of of making too aggressive of business decisions.
2: And On the personal side, I think like how your attitude impacts your financial wellness, I think a lot of that is based on experiences. And so if you had parents, for example, that lived off two incomes, they needed that every single time and then one of them lost their job. Or they spent like crazy, and when a downturn came and a COVID time got laid off, you were struggling to eat and, and find ways to do that, or you couldn't get shoes that fit anymore because you didn't have the money, so, or vice versa, right? However any of that rolls out, I think your personal experiences really impact your opinion on financial wellness, money, how you save, et cetera. Because now as an adult, you might absolutely hate that. And so you're going to choose to save money and be a lot more on the frugal side of that. It might push you to the opposite end of the spectrum, and so it's it's those experiences really impact how you feel about money and financial wellness and security.
0: Yeah, I I, I pulled this up while we were talking. I'm I love to you know, spend just a few minutes on Pinterest every blue moon. And uh, one of the quotes that I saved recently um, in my finance folder was, it's not your salary that makes you rich, it's your spending habits.
2: You know, when we go to students and do budget, like just a broad category, we'll have people that'll come and ask us to do stuff with students. And we always talk about a budget. You know, I ask, what do you think a budget is? And a lot of them say, tell you how to spend your money right <laughs> no, uh, your budget is your spending plan it's how do you plan to spend your money that's what a budget is it's not about telling you you cannot spend money it's just about the plan for how you're going to spend your money and that's all a budget is is a spending plan right so it is about how you spend your money
0: uh, it is a scary word for a lot of people the whole idea of uh the word budget it's almost like a four-letter word and i I know several people who view it that way. I love my budget personally. It took me a long time to get there to see the budget as my friend, but um I do really love my budget.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean it's it's really a tool to financial freedom. If if you create a very good budget that, you know, aligns with what your financial goals are and provides you with the savings and resources to be prepared for an uncertain future, then you're truly free and you can make a lot better you know, economic and financial decisions. Um, And, you know, in the the current economic environment, um, this is such a timely podcast, in my opinion, not only because it's a financial wellness month, but, you know, we're coming on the heels of some, you know, kind of historic inflation that a lot of us haven't seen in our professional life. And even as that is starting to cool off a little bit, um, I did hear a study this morning that put out, probability of an economic recession in the second half of 2023 at about 65%. Now, a lot of co- economists are you know, indicating they think it'll be relatively mild, but that's speaking at the the macro level. The, you know the, the economy as a whole, even if it's relatively mild, it may have severe impacts on certain industries or certain employers or certain businesses. And so it's just, you know, it's really important to be positioned for good and bad um, with both your business and, you know, your your personal financial situation as well.
0: Right. Well, thank you both for um, spending some time with me this morning talking about uh, Financial Wellness Month and your tips and your feedback. Um, I always value both of you for for your expertise and um, appreciate you sharing that with the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast and our listeners. So um, that's a wrap for this edition and uh, we'll catch you next time. Our next episodes are going to be focused solely on uh, social media, like I said earlier. So I hope you'll tune in and make sure you share and you subscribe and you let others know that the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast is on all major platforms. Thank you again, Eric and Fuller for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Denise. Thanks, Denise.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast. The Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce is a member-focused business community. I invite you to learn more about the chamber by visiting our website, lewisville-clemens.com. And while we're in the world of audio, it's time for the fine print. Everyone has an opinion, but in this case, the views and the opinions stated in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors. So now that you've been appropriately advised, let me remind you that this podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of the Louisville Clements Chamber of Commerce.